Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to the Bite Size Evolver, excerpts from my podcasts. The most obvious patterns in human evolution since day one is ever-increasing social complexity, consciousness complexity as well, but social complexity. So we grow from bands to tribes, to clans, to kingdoms, to states, to nations, and human complexity continues to increase, not just in sheer size in terms of um, you know, the number of people that we know and the amount of the world that we are able to comprehend, uh, but this deep structure uh, actually has us continue to transcend uh, the, the social structures so that we're moving from nations to the creation of a human culture that is global. And that is predictable in human evolution. And uh, I think it's happening. And it brings me to the first story that I wanted to look at today. And that is this deal that I think is going to be uh, uh, rat, uh, ratified today. But this is from a, an article a few days ago. The deal to set the minimum tax gets closer. And this is a minimum, glo minimal, minimum global tax. And the article reads, the most sweeping overhaul of the international tax system in a century is poised to take a significant step forward this week with nearly 140 countries expected to settle on a 15% global minimum tax rate. The framework under construction includes new rules that would force technology giants like Amazon and Facebook and other big global businesses to pay taxes in countries where their goods or services are sold, even if they have no physical presence there. And this has been pushed for some time and I guess has been taken over the finish line here. It includes Russia, China, Japan, all the EU. And, um, uh, you know, there are people who, the article goes on to talk about you know, the situation as it has been, which is people have referred to as the race to the bottom, where countries continue to lower their, lower their corporate rates and get corporations going there and moving there and they make money in the short term till another country lowers them even more. And so this isn't uh, the uh, solution to that. And people worry about exceptions and worry about enforcement, but everybody seems to agree, including the New York Times here, that it is a milestone. And it gets to the issue of how world centrism arises in human evolution, because that is what is arising. We call it the green meme or the, the progressive worldview that, that we move from being uh, identified with our nation or a clan, race, whatever, into you know being a citizen of the world. And mostly the moves into um, world centrism happen in first and second person. So they happen in terms of our consciousness, what we're aware of, our travel, how we talk to people in the internet all over the world, you know, and, and, and that, that's first and second person. But this is a real kind of hardcore third person. This is the lower right quadrant for those of you who know aqua theory. And this is an actual law that will be enforced. And, um, and you know, it, it's not like, and this, this is where I think post-progressive uh, view can help. The, the progressive fantasy 
is often that there's going to be some sort of a world government, you know, installed in some city like a giant Washington, D.C., with Martin Sheen as president, preferably. Uh, but likely it's going to be, you know, I'm not sure that that won't happen in some far off future. In fact, something like that perhaps will. But we will work our way towards that. We will fight and friend our way towards that. And we will do it with what we're, we've been doing it with, treaties and alliances and NGOs and agreements like this. And, you know, there's a lot of contention. There's a lot of cat and mouse. There's wrong turns. There's dead ends. But there is that steady movement. We could see it through history, and there's no reason it will stop. So um, that is, um, you know, something that we want to note. And we also want to sort of see, so what's the post-progressive view here? What's the, you know, what's integral theory uh, tell us about this? And um, if integral, which is the stage that we're talking about with, uh, in terms of development of post-progressive stage, if that is indeed the integration of the best of the previous stages of development, then we would see that we want to be world-centric Yes, indeed. We actually want to be cosmocentric, and that's that's really the integral move. Um, you know, we we think of green as being world centric. In orange, or modernism is um, world centric in the exteriors, in, in the sense that it can fight global wars, it can exploit global capitalism, and all that good stuff. And then, at green postmodern progressivism, we develop a sensitivity for global culture, and at integral we develop a sensitivity to the animating energetics of the cosmos itself, including mainly evolution itself. We see evolution. Uh, and, and so it's, it's actually, we're starting to see these bigger patterns that are deep structures of the cosmos. Um, and when we think of this integration, we do want to vibe at that. We want to vibe at world-centric. We want to vibe at nation-centric you know, patriotism and, uh, you know, that feeling of the history and karma of, this, of one's nation and people. We want to have that light up. Um, also clan, family, intimate relationships. We want, we can see the chakras, you know, that, that we have that sexual intimate chakra. We have the family chakra. We, and we want to have all of that lit up. Um, in order to be a fully functioning human being. And that is, you know, we're working on that, but that is a, sort of an integral view of that. But world, world centrism is happening uh, and it is happening, as I said, in the third person in terms of this minimal global, minimum global tax, but also in first and second person. And this gets me to another story that I wanted to talk about. And that is, the uh, controversy around Facebook and Instagram, and particularly this latest sort of iteration of this story that comes back time and time again, where I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, the Wall Street Journal reported on what Facebook's internal research shows about how Instagram, their platform, affects the mental state of the roughly 22 million teenagers who log onto it every day. And the significant 
uh, percentage, particularly of young girls who develop body image issues and anxiety and depression and suicide that is at least correlated, if not caused by these platforms. And the New York Times has been very hard on these platforms. Uh, and um, until today, there was a, a significant article that was in, in, that sort of brought, I think, a measured view of the other side. And I'll get to that in a second. But first, I want to read from Ross Douthat, who wrote a column a week or so ago on how Facebook should not be available to children. Social media ought to be off limits to children. Just seal it off, as he says. And um, this is also the theme of a editorial that was written by Greg Bensinger after the um, uh, testimony by this Francis Hogan on, uh, in, in Congress uh, last week. So anyway, here's what Ross Douthat writes. And I read from him because he's such a beautiful writer and he really captures things. So here's what he says. The rise of big tech and social media presents a series of difficult, perhaps intractable problems for Western societies. Our internet behemoths are effectively immense media companies pretending to be neutral platforms, feasting on the revenue that once sustained the old media ecosystem while disclaiming normal forms of editorial responsibility. Their key products are agents of decentralized suspicion, generating information overload and feeding both populist paranoia and centrist hysteria. Meanwhile, their leaders run their leaders run transnational pseudo-governments exerting traditional political powers, cultural censorship, political banishment, the structuring of vast marketplaces, which is what he says is typically traditional political powers without clear lines of political accountability. And that is, I think, a beautifully stated case against the social media platforms. And again, the consensus of the New York Times uh, seems to be uh, regulated, uh, get the age verification system worked out so that at least parents can keep their kids off if they want to. And secondly, to regulate it in terms of uh, adding some editorial responsibility. And I think those are both you know, reasonably good moves. Uh, I was... Um, also encouraged to read today by a, a, one of their newer op-ed columnists, Farhad Manju, who skews towards technology and his claim to fame recently has been really, um, <laughs> it's very progressive in, in a way. It's, it's um, um, sort of pulling the rug out of these billionaires and all their philanthropies and, and, and sort of re revealing the sort of corrupt qualities of that. And I will get into that because I'm sort of uh, just remembering it, but that's the, he's done several articles uh, on that. But here he writes, Farhad Manju writes, the upside of social media, the moral panic engulfing Instagram. And he writes, in jumping to the conclusion that Facebook's Instagram platform and other social media services will be the ruin of the next generation, 
we, the news media in particular and society in general, may be tripping into a trap that has gotten us again and again, a moral panic in which we draw broad, alarming conclusions about the hidden dangers of novels, novel forms of media, new technologies, or new ideas spreading among the youth. And he talks about media narratives that once sent the culture into hair-singed worry, things like satanic panic of the 1980s, or witches running your child's daycare center, the sex thing scare of the late 2000s, and the widely exaggerated fears in the 1990s that urban gangs posed a terrible threat to public safety. And then he goes on to talk about Frances Huggins' testimony and uh, what she presented to the, she's the whistleblower from Facebook. He says, much of the evidence is correlational and the same leaked documents also show that many teenagers appear to think that in many ways, Instagram plays a more positive role in a more positive role in their lives than a negative one. In the survey Hogan pointed out to, many teen boys and girls said Instagram alleviated their loneliness, their family stress and sadness, while many also said it had no impact either way. And he finishes by saying, today for better or worse, the world runs on social media. Do I want my children to grow up without understanding its dynamics, its risks, and its possibilities? Will a ban turn them into social outcasts? If I stop them from using the app where all their friends hang out, am I acting like the stodgy dad who wouldn't let his kids listen to Elvis? Yeah, and I like that. He actually, in the article, also agrees to limits on children, particularly age verification. That seems to be a real key here. And more regulation in general in terms of, edit in terms of editorial responsibility. So, um, you know, that is um, what I would say about uh, social media is that both of those things are true. Uh, it... Uh, it, like all new um, emergence, they have a downside, you know, um, especially when they somehow um, fill a hunger that we have in a, in a deep way. And I, I think literally of hunger, you know, for most of human history, people chased calories and, you know, there was real starvation and, you know, deprivation. And uh, so the hunt for calories was central to human existence until about 100 years ago, when the problem became too many calories, because we developed this industrial production of them that has resulted in the new problem being too many of them and obesity and diabetes and all the, the problems of affluence. And the, uh, and that's true of social media. There is a deep hunger in human beings to connect. Uh, and it can be either way. It can be to connect to fight or connect to love and friend and share and trade. And that those are deep structures. And, uh, you know, for most of human history, I think of my grandparents, you know, they knew maybe 50 people. And, um, you know, they lived in their small towns and, that's typical of that traditional stage of development. 
And then modernity comes along and, and post-modernity comes along with um, this means of connecting to anybody, infinitely hearing any argument, um, the law of infinite cornucopia, the idea that there is a, uh, a legitimate argument that can be made for any point of view for whatever reason you want to make it. And <laughs> there's just enough there to do that. And so we are choking on it. Uh, and we are overdoing it. There is a there's a junk food quality to a lot of what's on the internet, and the solution will be you know regulation. It's like the, you know even with the, the food system, there's only so much mouse poop you can put in your cornflakes and sell it to the public, and there's lots of regulation around that for just public health. Uh, I think we're getting hip to that with social media as well. And the key, uh, certainly one of the keys, and probably the central one, is the ability to self-regulate, to uh, get hip to what it is to eat sugar all day, and to not do it. As we see so many people, obesity is actually going down in the United States right now. And that is because we're just getting, it's not because there's less calories available, it's just that people are getting a better understanding of it. So that's what's happening with social media as well. And I do wanna, um, you know, just make sure that the, and Manju didn't really talk about this, the uh, yes, uh, um, uh, social media allevi alleviates loneliness uh, and so forth. But it does more than that. It is a, you know, it's, it's just a, a source of infinite education and consciousness raising. I think of Reddit and um, these communities of people, teenagers, uh, young Muslims, uh, these sex subreddits, sex communities where they're talking about love, romantic, sexual problems. It's a mass therapy that is going on that is very, very fruitful. And young people today, I think of, you know, the way the old folks talked about my generation when we were the young people. It's like, oh, you poor young people out there, this crazy kooky world, I've, I pity you. And we feel that way uh, for our children and grandchildren. Um, and, um, you know, I think we need to have a little more of a radical belief or faith in the um, wisdom of humanity that continues to evolve with all of the ways that we can go wrong.